Welcome to the Double Eye Show Fantasy Island Fantasy Football Edition coming at you guys with another one. This week we're going to go ahead and get into our injuries and waiver wires. It's getting down to the crunch time and we're getting close to just having about nobody left on waiver wires. But these guys are working really hard to try to find somebody who they can dig and resurrect for you guys to be able to add to your team and maybe hopefully get you over that hurdle. With me as always is Bombo and RW King. Guys, we're going to talk a little bit about our injuries. This week, we had some big names go down. We got Travis Etienne with a foot injury. Looks like he's going to be good to go for week 13, though. A.A. Ron, otherwise known as Aaron Rodgers, they initially said that it was an oblique injury, but now they're saying it's more of a rib, which is all kind of in the same area. But he's kind of holding the team hostage right now where he's saying that he is okay entertaining the idea of love starting, but he's really not sure yet. So it, it's really his team. He Whatever he wants to do, they just let him do. Jeff Wilson, he went down, but looks like he's going to be okay. Derek Carr went down early in the game, but came back in. Looks like he's going to be okay. Allen Robinson, done for the season, having ankle surgery. Darnell Mooney, done for the season, having ankle surgery as well. Eliza Mitchell, MCL sprain, six to eight weeks out. Looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season, probably back for the playoffs, but that doesn't affect the fantasy. And the last one on the list is Jamar Chase. He didn't play in week 12 like we thought he was going to. It looks like they kept him out just precautionary reasons, but it's, they're not sure right now. The speculation is week 13, he will play. So what do you guys think the biggest impact that's going to happen with fantasy owners and which guy really is going to be the one that's going to kind of hurt anybody? Well, I think they're all going to hurt their team. I, I think, and like you said, yeah, there's guys that they're saying are good to go, but how effective are they going to be? You know, I think Travis Etienne going forward, their team's not in playoff contention. So just the team itself, I think... Derek Carr, same thing. Teams on in playoff contention. I think the one to me was, and it's, I mean, obviously Jamar Chase has to come back from his injury, but Elijah Mitchell, I think that hurts the the Niners more than people think because I think they were going to rely on him a lot. I think there were going to be games where they were going to dial him up 15 to 20 times, and now they don't have that, and it's going to be hard for them. And it's not just about the guy who can run the ball. It's about all the things we talked about, is pass protection, is audibles, is catching the ball out of the backfield, is blocking when you're not, you know, getting the ball. There's other things that these guys do, and Elijah Mitchell is very good at all the other things as well. So I think they're going to they're gonna miss him the most. I'm just saying out of all this group, because no one else is really in really playoff or championship contention. So other than Jamar Chase. Funny thing about Elijah Mitchell and the Niners, somehow he inherited Mostert and Jeff Wilson's knee issues. Like, like we said it before in a previous issue, I mean, right, right. in a previous episode where, like, tell me if you've heard this before, like your star running back that you got out of in the late rounds or a walk on or like the undrafted, you ran the shit out of him, he blows a wheel. You bring in the next guy, you run the shit out of him, he blows a wheel. And you're right, King, right now, they might have to retread Tevin Coleman on this team because they have some guys that haven't really got a lot of run all year. And there's no one that's had the same buzz that like Elijah Mitchell had last year. They got rid of Trey Sermon. 
And they're not going to give McCaffrey 25 carries a game. It's just not going to happen. He's going to have to have limited carries, more efficient touches. And you're right. Elijah Mitchell was probably going to be that guy that was going to take a lot of load off of Jimmy G as well as CMC. And they're going to be missing that. And I think it's going to hurt them a lot more than they think, especially if they, like I said, if they have to go back to Tevin Coleman. I think that one of the key injuries out of everybody listed is Darnell Mooney, just because it came out season ending He's on IR. He's not coming back. This may be the jump start to them kind of shutting it down right now. I know they have Claypool and I know they have Komet, but the chemistry with Fields was there with Mooney. That was the offseason work, the best throws. They were going to Mooney. Mooney is the number one receiver on that team. And he's playing his, he played his ass off for them. And him having to go on IR coupled with what's going on with fields they lost eddie jackson in there on the defensive side of the ball and these are stars right like these are these are they may not be household names to a lot of people but these are the bears stars these are full-blown starters you start losing them in meaningless games it might be time to shut it down so you losing mooney there might be the first domino that falls because they've also lost herbert right so i mean you don't want to the, the season's already lost. You know what you have. You have a good core. You have some good building blocks. Mooney going down may be the, the first domino. I'm not saying they're tanking. I'm saying they're going to play it conservative going forward. Yeah, you know, I really like that King called out, you know, Elijah Mitchell as being that guy because when you look at what they were doing with him when he, since he came back, and the fact that CMC is not going to be able to get, you know, they don't want to give him every single touch. I really wish we could have seen him like that backfield with Elijah Mitchell and CMC. I was looking forward to seeing a lot of that and going into the playoffs. It just sucks what happened to him and how he went down because he he fought so hard to get back. And I think for those fantasy owners, it's kind of a a big bummer for them because they were, you know, they've stashed him on the IR and they were waiting for him to come back. And they knew that he was going to be a big part of that offense. And they knew that they were going to be able to have a chance to be able to plug him in, in a flex or an RB two situation and really start to get some good points because they knew that the offense was going to be set up for that. And now that's not going to happen. So I, I got to agree with King in the way that he's calling out that Elijah Mitchell is really the most relevant one on that list because Jamar Chase is going to come back. He's been, you know, gone for a while, but he will come back and he already has that rapport. So I think he'll be fine. It's the Elijah Mitchell situation, really, that's kind of hurting everybody, especially those fantasy owners that were hoping for him to come back. You just touch on Jamar Chase. Let's talk about him a little bit, guys, because we really didn't talk about him. But my my fear with him is, and I get it, you know, I think last week his thought was probably, I want to get the rust off before we play Kansas City. You know, but they're just saying, like, why rush him back? Let's get him another week of healing, and that way he'll be even better. But, I mean, this guy's injury prone, guys. Let's just throw it out there. He gets nicked up and banged up a lot. Even last year, he missed a couple games. I mean, he had three 200-yard games and finished with 1,300 yards. That means almost half his yards came in three games, right? We talked about those skews, right? So, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, is this guy really going to ever be able to put together a full fucking season? And that might just be one of those things that happens, man. These guys, some of them are like that. 
And that's really concerning. Okay. So let me ask you a question there, King, because you, you know, you bring up a good point, but I got to say this too. He, yes, he's getting nicked up and he's getting banged up. But do you think that part of it is also because of the fact that T Higgins goes down so often over there? And so there's not that release valve. He's the main focus, no matter what. So, you know, when T goes down, then he's he's got to carry the full load. So he's getting hit so much and he's getting so much thrown at him that he doesn't have a chance to to really kind of not be the focal point or, you know, take a playoff here or there. I'm not sure last year, but I know this year for sure just because of injury. But even when they were there, I want to say when they were both on the field together, T. Higgins probably leads them in targets. Yeah. T- he gets thrown the ball a lot. I think in that you're offense. right. I've always thought T. Higgins is the number one receiver in that offense. Jamar Chase, maybe. And the, I, I agree. Yeah. You know, but, and yeah, it's, it's weird over there. I think they have two number ones, basically. You know what I mean? But it, I, I don't know, man. I just, I think T. Higgins is the guy. And if you look at this year, he, yeah, he went down, but he, he missed a game. And that happens. All these guys do. But what I'm saying with Jamar Chase is he misses more significant time. He missed a couple games last year. I know that for sure. You know, because I had him, I drafted him in a lot of leagues last year, and he won me championships. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just looking at this year, and then I'm going to be curious for next year because to me, I was really weary of him this year and didn't want to take him in those really high spots. I was off him, and he missed, you know, four or five games. And we'll see how he is this week, but. You know, I mean, the guy's a monster. So if he anyone can come back and just blow up for a 200-yard game, it's him. But, man, I'm, I'm a little concerned at this point just because, I mean, he was hurt last year and this year. And, King, just to your point, uh, T. Higgins has 80 targets on the season and Jamar Chase has 74. So they're right there neck and neck. They're pretty balanced. I will say games T. Higgins T. Higgins has missed this year? Does it I say? think he's missed yeah, two. He missed two. Let me, let me check then that's not even I that good, guys. And that two. means he was overloading on Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase missed five games already. And he's right there? Are you sure it's 80? We're in week 12. No, bro. it's only it's only one one game against Baltimore is what he missed. Yeah, T. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins missed one game. And with, yeah, he's had, he's had 80 targets, 57 catches for 826 yards and four tutties. Jamar Chase, 74 targets, 47 receptions for six, 605 yards, six tutties. Jamar Chase is the guy. That shows it right there because, I mean, he's missed four games already and was fifth game, and he's right there with him. So, fuck. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, you I figure it's got to be because of the. The one, the upside. No, I was going to say, you gotta, you've got to figure it too. It's be, what was that? The upside, the long touchdown. I mean, they're both that guy. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's just that stat's a little crazy. Yeah, no, it changes everything, right? It is. But I was just going to say, I mean, think about it, though. It's that relationship from college that they had. I think that really helps it along. All right, here we go, guys. You're redrafting. They're both sitting there. Which receiver are you taking first? Well, oh, you're saying T. Higgins or Jamar Chase? Yeah. Well, you'll get T. Higgins cheaper. Right, because Jamar Chase is still going to go early, guys. 
that's the thing that gets me is he's getting taken in the top five receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't spend that on him. Can't. You're right. I'd rather come I, back I around in a couple more rounds and grab T. Higgins. And and lock yeah, him in exactly. Yeah, and lock him in. But fuck, Bombo, that's that's crazy. The targets that he has already, and he's fucking out. But then you look at his receptions, and fuck, he's barely close yeah, to what, half sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half fifty percent. So it just he's covered like a motherfucker too. So I don't know, man. I, I I'd probably stay off him. I just can't see him take. I I'd rather take a Justin Jefferson if I could at that point or. A, you know, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, probably. I'd probably take Stephon Diggs over him. You know, so I don't know, man. Jamar Chase hasn't played since week seven. <laughs> yeah, he's missed five games already. All right, guys, so that's going to go ahead and lead us into our waiver wire. A lot of guys going down, a lot of guys getting injured. A lot of guys just kind of getting benched, too, or guys just not being involved. So... We want to try to dig a little deep here. We're going to go three deep on our waiver wires for this week. Bombo, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out to you. Who are your waiver wires on the depth chart for you this week? Well, are we, a lot of our week 12 content, a lot of some of our week 13 content revolves around the Jets and White Mike. Yeah, Mike White has really given this offense some juice. So my waiver wire pickups are just key cogs involved in that offense. So we saw that James Robinson was a healthy scratch going into this game. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know the details of the trade, but if he rushes for another 185 yards, the sixth round pick that they got that they gave up for him has to become a fifth round pick to the Jags. So I think they are probably looking at going into next year with James Robinson. A lot of people are probably looking at it as a demotion or these other guys took his job. I think it's just a, you know, a front office decision. We weren't expecting to really get him and just throw him into the fire, especially if they have some sort of trade worked out where there's, you know, yardage stipulations in there. So insert Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight. And these guys were not in anybody's starting lineups, but the Jets started feeding them. They got big chunk plays out of both of them. Right now, I would tell our listeners to monitor how practice is going all the way up until game time to see who's been running with the ones, who's going to get that run. It may just be a committee approach. Zonovan Knight has more juice. He has just more burst than Ty Johnson, but Ty Johnson is better in pass protection and he catches passes out of the backfield. So I would say both of them need to be rostered at this point. If you have the room, maybe grab two and just see who you can work with. And, or if anything, grab both of them so that your opponent or anybody else in your league doesn't grab them. And my other guy in that offense is Elijah Moore. You're going to get what you're going to get out of Garrett Wilson. He's a great talent. He's their number one. But that was Elijah Moore last year. And with Corey Davis in and out of the lineup, they're looking for more weapons in the passing game. Gwen Garrett Wilson gets double teamed. And Elijah Moore was that person in week 12. He had a touchdown, two big catches. And if he gets more involved in the offense, he has shown enough at the receiver position to light it up. He did it last year with Mike White. And I can just see more of that happening right now just because he he looks to be more involved in the offense mentally because Elijah Moore checked out a long time ago with Zach Wilson under center. So I call it the Mike White effect. All these guys are now fantasy relevant. The Jets aren't just a defense and a statue back there throwing picks. So get as much stock in all these 
skill position guys as you can with the Jets because I think they're turning the corner right now. Plus they're going for a playoff push and they got some winnable games coming up. So give me Zonovan Knight, Ty Johnson, Elijah Moore, pick them up off the waiver wire. My other waiver wire pickup is Traylon Burks from the Titans, 49% rostered in most leagues. He is averaging seven catches and 90 yards per game since returning off IR for a toe injury. Last, last week, he recovered a fumble in the end zone that Derrick Henry should have had for a 75-yard touchdown, but he was there, and he was right there with Derrick Henry to get that opportunity to get that touchdown. It saved him on the day for his fantasy scoring, but even without that, he still would have scored double digits. He's just getting targeted a ton for a team that's looking for something in the passing game because, I mean, obviously giving Derrick Henry the ball 50 times a game has got them to where they are right now, and that is never close to a Super Bowl. So they got to add that passing element. They brought him in to replace A.J. Brown, and they and their metrics and how they compare is pretty similar. A.J. Brown has a little bit more burst, but Traylon Burks is coming in and doing what he has to do. He's getting targeted a ton, and he's turning them into results. He has yards after the catch ability. He has 50-50 ball ability. I think now they just need to just devote more into the passing game just to get him open. I think they were kind of filling him out to see if he is that guy. He's a, he's obviously that guy. He's that guy enough that he should be rostered on more than 49% of fantasy teams. So go get you some Traylon Burks. He should get that roster percentage up to about 80 because they have some winnable games coming up and some defenses that can be exposed to the air. Traylon Burks, get him off the waiver wire. All right, Bombo, I really like that Traylon Burks. I do feel that he should be rostered a lot more than what he is. He's effective when he's on the field. You know, obviously, I think what what kind of uh, did it for him is the fact that when you called out that he was coming off of injury, I think he got dumped a lot. And I think a lot of guys weren't really wanting to kind of keep him on there, especially in an IR spot. You know, those IR spots are reserved for, you know, kind of big time players that you just, you don't want to be able to drop. So I think Traylon Burks is one of those guys that if you did have him and he did get hurt, you're going to drop him because you know that maybe when he comes back healthy, that you're going to be able to pick him up again. So it could be one of the other reasons why he was only 49% rostered. Hey guys, I, I like me some Traylon Burks, and I think you mentioned earlier in the show, T, we were talking about tough love. That's what happened to him. They sat his ass down. He was doing shitty, especially in the preseason. He couldn't run with the ones. He couldn't run with the twos. He wasn't doing shit. And he's a, a big, flashy receiver out of Arkansas who had one good year, and they wanted him to learn how to play football, their style of football. And he's learned how to do it, and he's doing well, and I think it's a good pickup. If you have a chance to get him, who else have they got there to throw the ball to? Bobby Trees isn't doing shit. He's not built for that offense. So I'd like me some Ty Johnson on the Jets, you know, talking about their running backs and what they got going there. I think he'll be the guy going forward. He's been there for a couple years. He it was him and Carter last year. So I think he'll step up and he he's serviceable. So he'll do good and he'll be the touchdown guy for sure for you. So but no, I think it's a strong pickups, Bombo. And I think one thing we have to mention, too, about the waiver wire is waiver wire is usually dictated on a lot of injury. So when guys go down, right, Michael Carter just went down again, Brees Hall's down, now the next guy's up. So that's what's really going to dictate a lot of our waiver wire going forward just because there isn't any guys really left that are out there. So, Good points. Good points, King. 
All right, so that's going to go ahead and lead me into my waiver wires for week 13. I'm going to go ahead and keep with the Jets theme of White Mike. 2.9% rostered. Last week against the Bears, he had a great game. But more importantly, that team, as we've been saying, you know, it's just been the theme, guys. I mean, that team is just rallying around him. They really love him. And if you got a backup quarterback or you just got a starting quarterback that's going to be coming on one of these late buys and your backup that you have really isn't doing much, why not take a fire? You know, why not? especially for week 13, it wouldn't be a bad idea to start this guy, you know, pick him up off your waiver wires and possibly start him. I really think it's going to be a shootout against the Vikings. So I love me some white Mike. My next one is Jamichael Hasty with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's only 0.9% rostered. I get it. I understand why. But he had 12 rushes for 28 yards and five catches for 67 yards. Yes, he's not going to light your team up. He's not going to get you a massive fantasy points. But hey, if you have a guy go down or if you're in a deep type of situation, I would definitely do a flex, super flex type of league. I would definitely put him on my team as a waiver wire pickup. And lastly, Benny Snell. Last week for Pitt, when Najee went down, he had 12 rushes for 62 yards and a tutty. And that wasn't even a full game. So Snell seems like a really good waiver wire pickup. We did hear that Najee was kind of, I guess, okay. He came out and said, no, 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 I'll be okay to go. But it's like what King said before, how effective is he going to be? And Najee hasn't been that effective all year, except for the last couple of weeks. He's starting to get a little bit more of a motor behind him. And then he goes down. So I really like the idea of getting a Benny Snell to be able to pick up on your waiver wire and just, you know, either stash him or put him in there as a flex. Yeah, no, I mean, I like those picks, T, I think. But it's like we just mentioned, right? I mean, Jermichael Hasty, right? Etienne said he's going to play. So it's really going to be how does how much is Etienne going to play and how much run is Jermichael Hasty going to get behind him? Najee said he's going to play. How much run is Benny Snell going to get? And they had McFarland there, too. And I think they gave McFarland the first shot, but he just wasn't effective. And Benny Snell, at the end of the game, really ran the ball well and got in the end zone. So I think it's really depending on those other running backs, you know. But at this point of the year, those are great waiver wire options to stash them and hold them and just keep an eye on the injury report. And great pickups right there, T, just because I don't think. I mean, if we let the players say it, of course, they want to play every game, but business decisions have to be made. You don't want to. I mean, Etienne's already missed a full season with a foot injury. So maybe not rush him back. And Jermichael Hasty comes out of that San Francisco program. So and and they were giving him run when he was in San Francisco, and he's backed up guys and he's he's performed when he's had to have his number called. Same thing with Snell. Snell did it for Connor, and now he's doing it for Najee. Uh, both are very capable. And the best part is, if you hear the coaches talk about both these guys, they love them. They talk about these guys are ready to step in and and, and perform. If I had to choose one, I would probably say Jermichael Hasty has a better chance of playing. And if for any reason they sit Etienne or they give him that, you know, that rest, I I would say he's a must start against Detroit just because of his burst, just because of what he can do as far as catching the ball and his style of running is uh, will tear Detroit up. I mean, that's if you get him, that's a potential starter. All right, good point there, Bombo. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he what he did come out of that Frisco program. And so you're right. I mean, he does know how to be able to back guys up and to win. 
mean, Frisco just wins. Mm -hmm. So good call. All right, King, who is your waiver wires of week 13? Well, I think it's like we talked about, you know, we even mentioned it last show. There's just no one on the fucking waiver wire, guys. It's just so tough, you know. So I'm going to give three receivers, guys, because, you know, you guys threw out some quarterbacks, some running backs. You know, Bombo mentioned a receiver, you know, Elijah Moore, too. So a couple receivers. But I think that's, you know, PPR, it's usually the guy you have three receivers. You got to play or you could play three receivers. So um, I don't know, man. There's just nobody else. So. I, one guy that I it was surprised me a little bit. I looked at his stats and I heard something during the games. I was watching the Atlanta game, and Olamide Zacchaeus. You know, you always hear his name. Sometimes he balls up. He gets a little touchdown. You know, forty yard touchdown, something like that. He goes crazy. This guy has had three or more completions in sixteen straight games. <laughs> okay, he's performing, guys. So he's getting on the field. That's the last couple seasons, so he's he's playing, you know. And if you want something where at least you got a shot of scoring, this guy's a good waiver wire pickup. You know, he's not on anybody's roster. He's probably a rostered in less than ten percent. I don't know the numbers, but there's no way this guy's rostered on a shitload of teams, especially with the way that Atlanta's offense is. But if you need to fill in that plug and there's no one else there, take a flyer on the guy. Another guy to look at is in Buffalo because a lot of guys. This guy had so much pub at the beginning of the year and sort of took a shit. And now his trajectory is going up again for Buffalo, Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie was really hyped up at the beginning of the year. He was a really big part of the offense, going to be a big part of what they're doing. They need another guy there. And he didn't do shit. Had like a 90-yard game in the first game and then nothing else for seven, eight weeks. He wasn't even on the field. Shakur was getting his playing time. If Emmanuel Sanders was still healthy, Emmanuel Sanders would be getting all that playing time. So now the last couple of weeks, seems like McKinney's plays on the field were getting increased. Now his touches are getting increased and his targets. So he's got an upward trajectory too. So if he's out there, take a flyer on him. Another guy on a very good team, which has mouths to feed, but he's getting looks, is Tim Jennings. <laughs> Big, strong, wide receiver in San Francisco. And he's a, I don't, I'm not going to say he's a, he's a touchdown target or he's a, the end zone guy, you know, that kind of target when you're down to the goal line, but he's built like that. He can run and he's very athletic, but I think when they get in the end zone and that, you know, red zone look, he's definitely a target down there. So definitely a guy you could pick up. And if you have to play somebody there, he's always got a shot. He's playing. It's just hopefully he gets those one or two targets that turn into a touchdown for you. I think that guy's more touchdown dependent than yardage dependent than the other guys. But those are my three waiver wire pickups. I like those pickups. This goes to show you just how, like, as far as the diversity and the types of fantasy that you can be playing. And if you're in a 14, 16, all the way up to a 20 team league, everyone you just mentioned right now should absolutely be on a roster. Yes, I'm looking at his numbers right now, just week to week. You're looking at 12, 7, 10.5, 13.5, 11 points. Now, those may not sound like, you know, star numbers, but imagine if like Kyle Pitts was getting those numbers. You'd be happy as hell with three touchdowns on the year, right? Like, if there's, Dude, I would be 
Nope. That was Kyle Pitts, dog. So, <laughs> oh, come, come on, guys! Don't be picking on Pitts like that. By the way, we didn't we didn't put him on the on the list, but Pitts is done for the season as well. Yeah, thank you. The old, I don't got to play him now. The old dude. Yeller, we were talking about that. Dude. Did the old old yeller Shit. to the season? Take him out back. Yeah. Okay, but now, okay, I just Zacchaeus. I just looked him up. And he's only rostered on 0.5% of fantasy rosters right now. So he is definitely available to go out there and get it. So that is a great just diving deep and picking up a guy. That's a great pickup. He's the pickup. number one. He's definitely the number, yeah. he's, he's the number one. Yeah. He's, not getting, yeah, he had, he's not getting the looks. No, he's not, and he's not getting the separation. You know I mean? So I watch the games, you know. Mm-hmm. He had... What he, I think he had eight targets for five catches, 91 yards last week. That's probably half the targets that Mariota throws for. He probably throws only 16 or 17 times a game. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to say that? it's the majority of them. <laughs> and Tim Jennings, Tim Jennings is like a, I don't know, kind of a Tim Patrick like receiver where I think that's a good, good comparison. Bombo. There's stars on other, you know, on both sides of them. They have a good running game, but when his number gets dialed up, he's either in the end zone or he's making big plays. He doesn't drop anything. And he actually in that offense, he does a good job of run blocking as well. Yeah. They are, they're all good blockers. And if one of those guys go down, like you said, you know, Debo goes down or IU goes down, Tim Jennings is going to be right there. Yep. And Debo's been so, getting a lot of work on the sidelines. I don't know if you noticed the last couple of games. He goes to the sidelines. He hits, he goes down and gets massaged immediately in that hamstring and that ankle. So keep an eye on that. Debo's so beat up every year, man. But he's got paid now, so he's got to play through it. You know? All right, guys. All great, great picks. You know, like King said, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. There's not a lot of guys out there. But sometimes when you have that type of knowledge, you can go and you get guys that are really deep out there. And these guys might be the one thing that kind of puts you over the top, especially if you got somebody who goes down. You just never know. Or if you just got, kind of got a feeling and you play one guy over a guy that's supposed to be doing a lot better. You know, I don't know if you guys get those little fantasy alerts that says, oh, somebody that's in your lineup is or somebody that's sitting on your bench is set to outscore somebody that you have in your current lineup. Like, come on, you know, we're doing that on purpose because we know we have a gut feeling. We know what's going to happen. So yeah, we're going to sit that guy's ass on the bench. I mean, we just know that. All right. So that's going to do it for our waiver wire pickups. And I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you King, because you have our player props and locks for week 13. Yeah, no, we're just going to recap a little bit of last week. We started a little bit of a, a Vegas locks kind of situation over here again, guys. It's just for entertainment purposes. We're not telling you to bet any money. We never bet here. Bombo bets pushups. So yeah, we're doing that. And I'm, you know, he can bet any pushups he want, but I want those ice cream pushups, bro. <laughs> You know, the little orange fuckers in the little tube or whatever they were. What are those things called? Push-ups, mm-hmm. right? Push-pop. Yeah. So I'll bet it's you. It's a push-pop. Huh? Push-pop? Push-pop. Uh, it's not a push-up? <laughs> no, it's a push-pop. Don't push me. Push a push-pop. All right. Never mind then. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I'll bet you five push-ups. <laughs> but uh, push-pops. But just recapping a little bit of last week. Last week, we had three games. Cincy and Tennessee, Buffalo and Detroit, Denver and Carolina. Sweet tea came out swinging since he minus two over Tennessee. Fucking hit that one. 
me and Bombo were the losers. We took Tennessee at home, you know, since he prevailed. Okay. Then on Thanksgiving Day, we had our Thanksgiving Day special. Bombo went ahead and said it was going to be a blowout by Buffalo. T and King went ahead and swung with Detroit and basically said Detroit was fucking going to play him hard, and they did, man. Fucking Buffalo just fucking ate him for Thanksgiving and gave him a three-point loss, but it was a good game. And then the last game we talked about was Denver and Carolina. Russell Wilson shit the bed again. Sam Darnold was a hero, the great gazoo. Sweet T was the only one on the winning side of that. So, Sweet T, looks like you were undefeated, dude. You were 3-0, and huh? Pretty good, bro. Three for three, baby. Pretty good, man. Yeah. Bombo, I think me and you were each two and one. So I think we're okay. You know what I mean? We're still good. Don't worry about it, but we're still on the plus side. So we're going to go out again this week. We picked three games this week, but we're going to have a little spin to it. Last week we talked about a little player props, things like that. This week we're just going to talk about the game. So we got some good matchups this week. We talked about the Jags coming up, what Trevor Lawrence did. Now he's got a chance to really prove himself against a team who plays up to their opponent, who plays sometimes over their head, but sometimes they just get worked. And it's Jacksonville at Detroit. Jacksonville, the road favorite, minus one. Bombo, Jags or Detroit, who do you like and why? I like the Jags, but I also like the point that you brought up that Detroit plays to their competition. Detroit's never really out there getting blown out. So I'm liking that Jags with that one point. T, who do you like? Jags minus one at Detroit. Give me Detroit all day long. They did it last week. They proved it against freaking mighty, mighty Buffalo that they could hold it up there with anybody. So I really like Detroit. You know, the minus one, eh, that, that doesn't move the needle for anybody. Give me Detroit all day long. Yeah, it's just about a pick em, But reality is Detroit should be at least a three-point favorite because home field is three-point favorite. So I'm going to take the Jags with Bombo. I think the Jags are going to be smashing that ass. I like the Jags here. So basically a little recap, me and Bombo on the Jags. T all alone on his lonesome with Detroit. And Detroit's hot right now. They're 3-1 and one in their last four, and they lost by three points to Buffalo. So... But now here's a little spin on this team. The total for this game, guys, 51 and a half, which means both teams combined score by the end of the game, not the end of regulation. If they go overtime, you add those points as well. It's 51 and a half. Do you think this game is going to go over or under that 51 and a half? Let's start with you, T. What do you think? Over or under 51 and a half? I'll take the over on this one. I think it's going to be probably a 28-something type of game. It's barely going to be over that that over of 51 and a half. So I'll take the over on this one, though. But it's going to be close. Bombo, 51.5, over or under, Jags at Detroit. Give me the over on that, just because I think both teams right now know playoffs are looking really bleak they're not not really playing for the playoffs but they really are trying to see what they have on offense they really are looking towards next year but they're also not tanking so they're trying to get that confidence going they're trying to get a rhythm going so that they can have you know a full head of steam going into next year close one give me the jags 31 28 i think that and that's it makes sense guys you know both things that you said so i think with this pick i'm going to take the under just because sometimes things happen that don't make sense. And you guys make so much sense that I'm taking the under here. So I'm taking under, and I just think it'll be like you said, D, slightly under. 
maybe 21, 28, you know, 23, 27, something like that. You know what I mean? But it's going to be tight, but I'll take the under. Next game is the Dolphins at the Niners. Niners minus four. A lot of people pegging this as the game of the year so far. You know, both teams has really performed on both sides. The AFC and the NFC as two of the top teams in their divisions. You know, this is going to be a good game. Just not really sure how it's going to come out. I think a lot of people are concerned both ways. Let's start with you, T. Who do you like? Niners minus four against the Dolphins at Frisco. This is a close one for me, but really, you just got to look at the Dolphins and what they've been doing. Really think that the Niners are poised to smash them in the mouth, but just kind of going with the trend in the way that Dolphins have been playing, give me the Dolphins with the points. Bombo, Dolphins at Niners, Niners minus four. Just going to go the opposite right there with T, but the same argument. Niners right now are kind of firing on all cylinders. I think what we spoke about in an earlier segment, I think it might come down to the coaching. Niners coaching just has just got it more together, I think, than Dolphins. But I like what the Dolphins are doing. But give me that slight advantage of the Niners at the points. I think myself, I think both you guys had great points. You know, it's a tough game, guys. And it's a really tough number. And remember the one thing, guys, is that Vegas isn't doing us any fucking favors. They're not telling us this minus four points means that Frisco is four points better team than Miami is. They're putting that number out to attract betting from the public. That's it. That's it. Okay, just so we got that clear. But knowing that, I think the difference in this team, they're really close. And I think the difference and the real legitimate differences and that we didn't mention yet is their kickers. Robbie Gold's a fucking, he's a great kicker, guys. Pressure kicker. Stud. So I'm gonna, I think they have that locked up, but I think doing that, they're going to win by three. I'm taking the Dolphins and the points. I'm going to take the four points with the Dolphins. So this game, too, a little bit different on the over and under. Guys are looking for a little bit of a defensive struggle, I guess, or Frisco holding... Miami down because the total is only 46.5. 46 and a half points is the total number of points scored in this game over or under Bombo. What do you think? Give me the under because that falls right into the Niners' hands. That's the game that they want to play. They don't want to go get into shootouts with guys. They want to be able to control the clock with their running game, have a few big chunk plays for scores, get a nice comfortable lead. And let the running game kind of kill the clock. I think they can do that against the Dolphins. I would say that the most point potential is probably coming from the Dolphins. But I just have faith in the Niners coaching staff to get it done and keep it at the pace that they want. The pace that they want will have it under 46 and a half points. T, 46.5. Dolphins at the Niners over or under? I like the under on this one only because of the fact that, you know, the Niners, their defense is for real. And I think the Dolphins are kind of, they're poised to be able to just have a stinker. They've been putting up some big numbers against a lot of teams, some good teams. But I don't know if they can keep that up. And I don't know if they can keep it up against a team like the Niners. The Niners just play smash mouth football. You know, these guys are just old school. And I think they're going to give the Dolphins a lot of trouble. So give me the under on this one. All right. And it makes sense, guys, right? And that's what, you know, everyone's thinking. 
So again, no fucking logic. I'm taking the over. I think Miami's going to score 35 themselves. I just don't understand why this number is there, but I think that the majority of the public's going to bet on the under because it makes sense. And Miami's defense has been playing well. Right? And Frisco doesn't want to run up a high score. They don't want that, man. They just want to smash you in the mouth, beat you up in the second half. You're just basically falling over. So, but I'm going to take the over there because it's no fucking logic, makes no sense. But, and just to try to get one up on you guys. You know what I mean? But that's right. I mean, I could have done the safe play, guys. And I could have went the same way with you. You know what I mean? And we all could have fucking went on the same boat. But you know what, man? I just figured, hey, I'll take the shot. Last game we're talking about, guys. And this is a big game. It's a big game because it's it's interdivision. You know, both these teams are struggling. Obviously, I think the Raiders are completely done. Chargers are still in the playoff hunt, but the Raiders would love to spoil them and just fucking knock them out for sure. You know, Chargers still banged up a little bit, banged up defensively. Raiders seem to be getting a little healthy. Defense is playing inspired. Max Crosby's ridiculous. They're playing in Vegas with their crowd. Chargers minus one and a half at Vegas. Bombo, who do you like? I like Chargers with the points. I think they're playing for more. Las Vegas may, pardon my French, but they may have blown their wad last week with that thrilling overtime victory. Can we see a Josh Jacobs performance similar to that? He is hurting right now and he isn't practicing all week. And the story set up for Vegas to lose in a close one on this one just because that's how it usually goes with both these teams that go back and forth there's never really a blowout it always comes down to that last Derek Carr interception to tell you the truth so go ahead and give me the Chargers and that one and a half T Chargers minus one and a half at Vegas I'm gonna go ahead and put my coconuts out there and I'm gonna say Vegas I'm gonna take the points and and go Vegas because yeah Bombo's point was excellent about Josh Jacobs and how much Effective he's going to be, to be honest with you, I already heard that they're going to dial him back this week. And now I don't know if that's just kind of false sense of security for the Chargers or not, or, you know, what they're trying to throw out there. But I really like the way that Vegas has been playing as of late. And the Chargers just, they're playing like a team with no identity right now. So I got to take Vegas with the points. They have an identity. It's Justin Herbert. That's really all they got. And I, and I agree. I just think it's tough. And every week it's tougher for them to win. And But they pull them out and they get wins. And But I like I liked Vegas in this spot. I think they were trending up. They had two walk-off wins. And they're playing their asses off. The whole team is. So I, And I know it's tough to do it three weeks in a row. But I think the Chargers are just so beat up defensively. They just have nobody left on the field, man. So I'm going to take Vegas here, and it's going to be a tough game, but I'll take the Vegas and the points at home. Now, the total for this isn't even the highest of the week. Where you're thinking, okay, both these defenses are a little bit suspect. The total is 50.5. T, 50.5 Chargers at Vegas, over or under? I'm going to go ahead and take the over on this one. Both quarterbacks are gunslinger type quarterbacks. It's going to be a shootout. I definitely think that we're going to be in for a wild ride when it comes to throwing the ball. Both defenses are kind of sus and these guys, they can sling it. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over on this one all day long. Bombo 50.5 over or under. Ditto from anything that he said. 
both it comes down to the nature of their offenses and the actual performance of both of these defenses. It's going to come down to the last possession after a high scoring affair. Vegas is used to it. They just came off of a shootout with Seattle and Chargers are ready to get in a shootout with anybody. But really what it comes down to is both these defenses are not stopping a nosebleed. Give me the over 50 and a half. Is Trito a word? Like Ditto? <laughs> Because I'm going to say, I have the same thing, guys. I, I think this game's going to be a high-scoring game. I just think their defenses are suspect, and it, it'll shoot right over the top. But, you know, I think, again, like we said, you know, these are three matchups that we picked out and we thought would be a little intriguing for you. We just wanted to throw a little bit of different spice into the show for you. Hope you enjoyed it. Right? T, you're not going to go 3-0 and again, buddy. All right, just telling you. We'll see. Oh, dude, if he we'll does, see. I'm, I'm going to be doing another trifecta. Oh, shit. All right, man. I'm going to put in a parlay with your picks this weekend, T. But for Bombo, for T, those were our picks. We're out.